This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forrester, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. And this week I'm joined by Zach White. And Zach is a fellow nerd, geek, whatever term you want to use, man. <laughs> he and I would have been next to each other in the cubicle farm, you know, just sitting there. And uh, so, yeah, Zach, Zach has come up from, you know, being a Purdue graduate, um, got into engineering, mechanical engineering, and, you know, then started hitting some bumps. And we're going to get into some of that. But I want you to see the transformation that it has has occurred and that Zach wasn't limited by who he was in who he is today. And, um, yeah. So Zach, how are you doing today? My friend, Mike, I couldn't be better. I love what you do, your energy from the moment I got on this call. I knew it was going to be amazing. Thanks for having me and let's, let's rip man. And you should come on all my interviews and introduce me. Like that, that was beautiful. I, I very inspired by this. <laughs> You got it. We'll we'll go uh, see what what kind of uh, stuff we can tour get together. into. <laughs> well, let's start off with what does life look like for you on the professional side? Today, my life revolves around supporting and helping engineering leaders at all levels, from IC up to VP, but usually in this middle of their career level. You know, senior engineers to senior managers, directors, these folks. I'm helping them to live the career of their dreams in the context of the life of their dreams. So how do we build our careers and get those promotions and experience the success that we crave as engineering leaders, but also enjoy a balanced life and take care of our families and our health and the people that we love and the things that we love outside the office? So often that trade-off feels impossible as one goes up, the others goes down or you know, we, we just get into these tough situations where we don't have the skills to navigate the challenges of life. And what we do at Oeco, my company, is help these leaders to navigate that, make courageous decisions to go live the life that they want on their terms, and show them that more is possible than you believe if you just have the right you know, mindset, strategies, tools, and coaches and community around you to support those tough moves. And it's been a blast. What does Oeco stand for? Yeah, Oeco is the short word for Oasis of Courage. And you know, partly just Oasis of Courage is a mouthful, but this is based off of a key idea that was instrumental in my own transformation, that the thing that holds us back as engineers, and frankly, this is not just for engineers and IT professionals, but anyone, that force is fear. Fear holds you back from the life of your dreams, and it takes courage to go create something that you dream about. And so the Oasis of Courage, or Oeco, is where we go do that work. Mm, I love it. And fear does absolutely hold us back. And 
often than we're the ones that have like the uh the anchor kind of reinforcing it so no doubt what does life look like on the personal side for you today I am happily married to a beautiful woman named Johanna. We have a horse named Romeo, who we love to go out to the barn and ride. And riding horses is like meditation, Mike, because when you're doing it, you can't think about anything else. It really pulls you in. You have to stay focused with the animal, and it's super fun. I love to ride motorcycles, love to do exercise and and fitness-related things, play beach volleyball here in Michigan where I live along the shores of Lake Michigan. Uh, just enjoy time with friends and family. And honestly, it's been a huge blessing to transition into this work now where I can be more flexible in where I work from. And so learning how to enjoy that. You know, here I've landed this dream opportunity to be a remote worker that so many people fell into during COVID or have been seeking in their careers. And the funny thing is sometimes we're remote, but we never actually leverage that. I still stay home all the time. So learning how with my wife to say, well, what if we spent two weeks in this place and did a working vacation? Or what if we spent, you know, a week here or here? And so leaning into that more and learning how to enjoy all of the beauty of nature and new places. Yeah, because four walls or the city we live within, there is so much more out there. Uh, Oftentimes it's just going and giving it a shot. You don't know necessarily what to expect. Totally. That attitude of just, let's see how this fits. And it may not fit. Like, you may love Miami. I may not so much, you know, but that's not to say that Miami is a bad place. It's just, this isn't necessarily the place that I want to invest in. Um, Mm -hmm. What is, like, we'll save that one. We'll come back to it. (laughs) There's so much to jump into that we've had in our conversations already. Um. So I want to go back to like when you're graduating from high school before you went to Purdue, who were you, Zach? And like, what, what did you expect to be coming up down the road for you? My high school years were highlighted by two or three main themes. The first one and the dominant one was around academics. So my family values from birth were that doing well in school was a priority. And my mom used to tell me, Zach, school is your job. I was not allowed to have a job to earn money if I wasn't earning the straight A grades. So if I had the grades, then I could go do work for money. But if not, then school was the job. And that was made clear from day one. And frankly, it was a good value. I'm happy about it. And made more by getting a full ride to Purdue on academics than I ever could have made in summer jobs uh, in high school. So it definitely was the right decision. But that was number one. And I'll tell you a funny thing, Mike, actually, I've never, I've never shared this on a podcast before. So this is, this is kind of fun. Uh, We had these award nights in high school where you'd come in and the teachers would uh, hand out awards for the highest performing students in their classes, or maybe other types of awards for for character or citizenship or, you know, different things. And we had these academic award nights, right? Well, because school was my job, I excelled. I did really well. I was valedictorian and I was often the highest you know, performing student in class. And one of the awards nights, every single class that I was in, I won the award. 
And at the end of the night, somebody came by and said, hey, how was the Zacademic Awards night for you? <laughs> and I, I just remember, and it became a thing. So for the whole rest of high school, this was my sophomore year, the whole rest of high school, I was like, hey, are you going to the Zacademic Awards night? You know, you're going. So, and I was actually this mutual feeling of deep pride and deep embarrassment. Like I couldn't decide if I was happy about this or if I was really embarrassed because people were making fun of me. But anyway, so academics was was pillar one. Playing baseball was pillar number two. I really loved baseball, being on the team. I loved my coach in many ways. My baseball coach was like my father figure all through high school. Um, and just the challenge, the opportunity to apply myself physically and balance that academic side. And then the third pillar, Mike, would be, uh, I'll call it feeling a bit lost in the fact that in seventh grade, my father disappeared from my life. My parents divorced. I had no relationship with my father. I lived with my mom and two sisters. And high school was a time where I was just trying to figure out how to be in that world and what it meant to be a man and all these things that are already confusing even without that challenge. But I definitely felt that void. I felt confused in many ways because I didn't have um, a dad to turn to in a lot of moments where I would have wanted to. And so, you know, in many ways compensated for that through those first two things and uh, just staying in my zone of safety and hanging out with friends and other things. But that would be Zach White coming out of high school in a nutshell. Sure. And then you've crushed it in high school. This academic awards, right? I mean, three three years running, you get accepted to Purdue. Like, what is college and, and graduating from college? What does that look like for you, man? College was an awakening time of those gaps that I mentioned about not having a dad. And so... Some of those were good, learning how to be responsible, learning what it takes to operate in the world without, you know, mom taking care of things. And those were all good lessons. Others were really hard lessons to learn that, you know, people can be rougher on you than you realize. I remember uh, one of my good friends who lived down the hall from me in our dorm. One night I played a little trick on them. I, we ordered a pizza together and I took the pizza to my room and pretended like I wasn't going to share it with them. And Nathan came down the hall, walked right into my room and punched me in the stomach as hard as he could. And I like knocked the wind right out of me. I'm rolling around on the ground. He took the pizza and walked back down the hall. It's just like, oh my goodness, like what's going on? I didn't even know how to handle that situation. But um, in many ways, Mike, I did what I did best, which was throw myself into the academics. You know, I wanted to be a great student and was fortunate to still do really well in engineering school. But anytime I didn't know what to do, that was just the default. Like, I'm here to get a degree. I'm here to get my, my engineering knowledge and go get ready to build a career. So that was always the default. You know, if you feel confused, just keep studying. <laughs> you know, we could talk about how that pattern played out in some negative ways later in my life. But um, that was the one thing I could always do, work harder and get smarter. So you're realizing these gaps, like, hey, my dad's not you know, here, hasn't been here. These gaps are coming up. How are you processing through them? And how are you, you know, like dealing with them? Are you looking for help or is there even help available? 
That's a great question. And the truth is, I was not dealing with it. If I'm looking back, hindsight being 2020, I was simply figuring things out as I go, not paying much attention. Anytime I would confront one of these challenges or gaps where I didn't know what to do or how to do it, I would just divert my energy to something where I did have competence. Just ignore that thing, either eliminate it from my life or don't deal with it, distract myself, you know, go watch a movie, go study, go to the library, just ignore the pain of that. You know, so like, what's an example of that? I'll just tell you an easy one. Dealing with relationships with girls, dating. Yeah, I really had very little experience in high school dating because I was still dealing with the wounds of the divorce and everything just didn't didn't do much dating in high school and in college I wanted to and really didn't feel capable so I just pretended like I didn't want a girlfriend it wasn't the like oh you know I don't need that I'm working on my degree etc well but then when I did start to have feelings and emotions of attraction towards different girls I knew I didn't know how to deal with that I didn't know what to do with that and I didn't have you know a dad to pick up the phone and call and, and say hey what, what what do you do here I didn't want to be embarrassed in front of my friends. And so I just didn't date, just ignored it. <laughs> like, and then, you know, that led me to a point where I, when I did finally enter into a relationship, you know, and ended up married right out of college, uh, a lot of those gaps showed up in marriage in a big way. Like I really didn't know how to have those relationships. So to answer your question, I'm sure help would have been available if I had had the courage to go ask for it which is going to be a theme, I'm sure, in our conversation today. But I didn't. I kept it to myself. I dodged it. And I just numbed that pain or that fear by going into the places where I did have the skills, which for me was academics. So during that time, like, you're avoiding it. Like, what's the fear? Like, what is it that you're, like, going, if I do this, this is going to be the reaction or the response that I'll receive. I mean, obviously I get it. You know, you go to your buddies, they heckle you because it's like, we all want to seem like we've got it together and we know about women, you know, it, we <laughs> all want to be that guy. Yeah. Yeah. But like, what else was playing into that? I would say I had a very fixed, prideful mindset in college. Fixed around a couple of things. And for those who've read Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, when we talk about a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset, that's what I'm referring to here. And a fixed mindset for me was built around that identity of this academic awards night superstar, the guy who has it all together, the guy who has the answers, the guy who gets the grade, the guy who always gets an A. You know, that identity that I held created a lot of fear around not being seen as that person. I don't want anybody to know or to find out that I don't have the answers. I don't want any of my friends to think that I'm ignorant or that I'm lacking intelligence in a certain area because I had this really prideful, fixed mindset around intelligence. And you'd think, well, yeah, but women and like getting a good grade in school, like those are two different things. But you know, your subconscious mind doesn't differentiate that. I still had this core identity rooted around always knowing what to do, always having the answer. So I didn't want anybody to know that I don't have any answers when it comes to women. 
Like That would have been completely counter to this identity that I'd built up in myself. And if anything, Mike, I was giving other people advice about dating when I didn't even know anything about it, right? Like that was the kind of nonsense that that fixed identity was creating. And so the fear was just being found out. It's this idea of the self-doubt or the imposter syndrome that you hear people talk about. I would not have called it that then, but for sure now I look back just like, what? I mean, I was so limited by needing to prove to everybody that I was who I said I was and who they thought I was. It's often that that image of expectation of what others perceive of us that kind totally. of even keeps us trapped in in that situation that doesn't allow us to to be able to step out and go, hey, I don't I don't know. How do you do this? <laughs> so, yeah, I get it. And it can impact all areas of our lives. So you're you're graduating Purdue. It's like 2008. You you land the new job, right? And uh, you're married. I mean, yes. that right there, that's markers of success by just about 99.9% of us, right? It's like, check, check, check. How, how are things going from that point? I mean, you're riding high. Hundred percent. I would imagine all those those oh, boxes yeah. being checked off. That's the news academic awards right there, right? Exactly. Yeah, Mike, I I did it right. I did exactly what I was supposed to do. And you're right. I was in a very high energy place at that time of my life. Got the the degree from Purdue, amazing GPA. Landed this really excellent role at a great company. I went to Whirlpool Corporation in their leadership development program for engineers. You know. They're going to pay for my master's degree. I get to do these four rotations and all this special development, special attention. And you're, it's exactly what you said. Like all that attention of this academic awards night was back on me. And I was like, yes, you know, I am absolutely winning at life. <laughs> you know, married to my college sweetheart and dance partner. You know, we danced together in ballroom and Latin dancing in college. And it was such a great story. Oh, how'd you two meet? Oh, we met ballroom dancing. You know, oh, and yeah. It's like everything was good until it wasn't. Right. And that's what's so interesting. And the how this happens in life, you know, burnout and depression and and the things that I ended up experiencing, and we could talk about it, but you know, those first two, three years, I thought I was crushing it, checking all the boxes, you know, doing the thing, and then went and focused on my career. Right. The next thing I need to do is go prove to the world that I am as good as I said I was, that I'm more than just straight A's. I'm also, I'm somebody at the office. I'm going to go make a difference, make an impact. I'm going to be a director at a young age, blah, blah, blah. Like we, well, started down that road. And um, about five, six years later, totally crashed and burned. And um, we can talk about how that happened, but it was for me completely blindsided from checking every box to suddenly feeling like how did i end up here and i i think that's for a lot of us dude i don't i never set out to like have my marriage on the rocks to be distanced in relationship from my children i thought that i was going after the right stuff and then it's like i turn around and i go what what's wrong why is everybody <laughs> upset <laughs> yeah yeah Totally, man. Everybody means well 
and is doing the best they can with what they've got. But those can be humbling moments when you stop, look around, and be honest with yourself about what's really going on. It's like, wow, this is not what I signed up for. The one thing I want to highlight is that it's like, while things looked great, and we can put on that facade, right, that air of everything is amazing, I'm crushing it, I have checked off all the box, all the boxes, that what we can see from the outside is not necessarily how things are on the inside. What we can't see can often be like the termites in life, so to speak. And so comparison can be a dangerous thing. You were on the side where it's like things did look amazing and you're trying to to hold that up. I mean, that's got to be a pressure that's yeah. you know, got its own weight as well. Um, how was that something that you felt the weight of and how did you kind of deal with it so that, you know, you're getting through it and going, yeah, I still feel like I'm successful while I'm in this place of, of smoke and mirrors. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely felt the pressure. And Mike, I became a master of taking that stress that pressure, that fear, and funneling it into a cognitive, intellectual exercise that I could win the game, so to speak, without actually dealing with the problem, and and then moving on like everything was okay. So what, what do I mean by that? I mean, that might sound a little odd. Let me explain it. For folks who come from a science, technology, engineering, mathematics, IT kind of background, this is something we we see a lot uh, in our coaching and with our clients, people who have this same pattern. So easy example. My wife and I have an argument. We're clearly in a rough place in our marriage. This is a true story. Like this is happening in Zach's life. Okay. Not in agreement, struggling in the marriage, unhappy, no intimacy. You're like, this is not working. And I would take that pain and pressure and and unhappiness. And I would get away from that conversation, right? Like separate myself from the, the reality of having this hard talk, go into my own space, so to speak, and have this intellectual exercise about, you know, well, what just happened and what am I going to do to fix it? And okay, what's, what's my goal here? And okay, I need to buy, an, I'm going to go buy men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and I'm going to read a couple books on this. I'm going to become a better husband and uh, we're going to fix this problem. And, and here's my action plan. And Okay, I would intellectualize it. I'd get into my head, think about it. And while I'm doing that, the emotion subsides, the fear subsides in terms of how I'm feeling, how I'm experiencing it. And I can convince myself in my conscious mind that I'm doing the right things to solve the problem. I have a plan in place. It's like I just took my engineering skills and project management skills and I apply it over here. And okay, I'm, I'm, I bought the book on Amazon, check. I've dedicated some time to uh, read it, check. Okay, marriage is fine. Let's go back to the office and work on my next thing, right? And, and I got really masterful at just masking and ignoring and numbing all of those realities of what was not working in my life by turning it into some sort of intellectual thing where I had so much strength and I could just, you know, I was so good at that. And uh, I, I lied to myself. 
I just somehow managed to convince myself that everything was fine and that the trajectory was always up and to the right. Like it didn't matter what was going on. I always believed a lie that my life is going up and to the right because that's what had to be true, Mike, in order for my world to be the world that it needed to be. And so I would just work myself back into that place and then move on and never actually deal with the issue. And um, man, it's just amazing to look back and see how easy it was to keep secrets and to hold myself back from dealing with what was actually going on. Hi, Coach Mike here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Living Fearless Today podcast. Man, if you're struggling with your worth, feeling you're not enough and playing small, honestly, this isn't your lot in life. There is more available to you beyond this podcast to help you uncover your worth, feel respected, be confident, and play bigger in all areas of your life. Grab a time at highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call to set up a complimentary session on where you're at today, who you want to be, and how you can live the life you've been desiring. Again, head on over to highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call and take that first step towards your life transformation. Yeah. And I think that's like more pervasive than any of us want to admit or even allow to be seen in particular. Um, so you've got, you know, you're married. There's starting to be some, some rockiness, some challenges there. We're going into the recession at that point. And, uh, Dude, I mean, I know it's hard to be the one that gets let go, right? There's its own challenge there. Um, you were working at Whirlpool. You were kept. Like, what do you now, looking back, see as some of the challenges of being one of the retained employees that, you know, you can, you can address, like, when you you're you're the one left behind, so to speak. Mm-hmm. There's a story, Mike, I know you've heard it, but I will bring it back for everyone listening. It explains this experience. But I remember during that time coming into the office one morning and I walked by a coworker of mine who I was working on a project with named Ted. Great guy, great engineer. He'd been mentoring me on some different aspects of engineering and the project. And I just asked Ted a casual question, you know, like, hey, are you free this afternoon to talk about XYZ problem on the project? And Ted just kind of went off, like gave me a really short, snappy answer and said a couple things that were inappropriate. I won't repeat here and just kept walking. And I was just floored, like what just happened? You know, this is so unusual and it really shook me I didn't know how to handle that. You know, my social and emotional intelligence was not at a level to process what just happened. And so we just kind of ignored it, went on with my day. And I found out later that Ted had just walked out of the HR office being let go because of the recession and what Whirlpool was taking really aggressive action, cutting deep to save on you know people expense. And it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. And I felt so bad about the whole thing and just a weird dynamic that I didn't see Ted again for a long time. When when I did see him again, he apologized. And it's like, dude, I mean, nothing to apologize for. I get it. That's really hard. But what you're asking, Mike, that's so important 
that never gets talked about. Everybody wants to talk about what Ted went through, and I appreciate how important that is. But rarely do we talk about what everyone else who's still in the company after the riff, after the layoff, after these deep cuts happen, what they're going through. And let's just be blunt. Now you're doing the same work as you were doing before with less people because we cut the headcount, but we don't cut an equal amount of projects because we still need that revenue and all the customers are still counting on us. And so, so the workload goes up, not to mention some of your colleagues and friends that you used to really look forward to seeing just disappeared and, and they're angry and there's a lot of emotion. There's all this trauma happening around the relationships of the team. Uh, the work content isn't organized properly around this new organization. So we're all trying to figure out who needs to do what. There's chaos around all of this. And it's a conversation that you're not really allowed to have. You know, if you complain about it, then people will tell you, like, stop whining, stop complaining, like, that's not helpful, it's not productive. But, but what can you do? So we're just left in this place that's extremely challenging. And it burns people out like crazy, Mike, because you don't feel like you're able to step into that environment and actually take a stand for what you need in your life and career at that point. Because I don't want to be seen as ungrateful that I was kept on staff. I don't want to be the next one to get fired if they do more cuts. So I do whatever my boss tells me to do. I work whatever hours they tell me to work. And I'm afraid to say no because of everything that just happened. And that can be a really steep one-way street towards burning out on your own. And then we get stuck in that place. So I think it's a super important thing to just acknowledge that that happens all the time. And right now, as we're recording this, March of 2023, I mean, layoffs in the tens of thousands in technology and IT and engineering and so many people looking for work, and they will find work. But meanwhile, there's a lot of people left carrying the bag that are drowning and getting completely burned out right now who are not helping. And and that's the sad part about this reality. Yeah, I've been on both sides. They both have their, their own unique challenges. Um, working through it, I mean, is like, like the common red in it. Um, yeah, it's just, we don't, we don't, it's almost like a divorce in some ways because it's like the relationships, you know, it's like you and I could have been in the cubicle, like I could have been Ted. And if I had gotten let go, then it's like, okay, now we have this thing that's, you know, the thing that shall not be mentioned. Your deadlines yeah. are still hard. So you're frustrated. I'm frustrated because I'm not working and making money. And so there's a tension that we then bring home. How can like that, that tension be dealt with so that, you know, cause I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. What happens at work, what happens at home impacts the other place, right? Our, our other side of life. So how do we remove that tension so that we're not, um, eroding or undermining our home life with like our wife and children? Yeah. Mike, I agree with what you said 100% that they impact each other. And I'll acknowledge the gender bias around, you know, women are generally 
more in tune with that interaction, their life being more like a pancake and the syrup of life spills in and just covers the whole thing. And men tend to talk about their ability to compartmentalize and they'll tell you that work doesn't affect home and they see their life and and show up to life more like a waffle where the syrup pours in and it hits its individual little compartments. And as long as it stays in one compartment, you know, then you're good. But these type of situations, Mike, it's like even if you're a waffle, the syrup just keeps pouring and the work bucket just overflows and then it fills up the rest of them anyway. And so I don't care which side of that coin you're on. The truth is how you do anything is how you do everything. And when one area of your life starts to go sour, it's going to impact other areas of your life. And the more you try to keep them separate, the more energy you will burn trying to keep them separate. And that will then be your demise. And so I really do encourage people to recognize that this is true. So just to acknowledge and say, yes, I'm with you, that they affect each other. And here, I just laid all that out there. And I, I want to make sure I answer your question directly. So, so re, refocus me, Mike. What's, what's the question? So how do I keep my family life, you know, my personal life going and on track where it doesn't derail, even though I'm in the midst of the stress at work with the short deadlines? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just a, hey, buck up, you know, man up or whatever kind of attitude the culture has. How do I keep the family going where they're successful? Let's talk about two things that I think are essential around this. And these are true all the time, but they're especially important during these tough transitions or moments of peak stress or things that are disruptive to the homeostasis of your life. First is that none of these problems are solved without truthful, courageous conversations. And that's a big part of why old Zach didn't solve any problems, because I did not have the courage to step in and and have those types of conversations. It's very scary at first, and especially if you're an introvert in terms of personality profile, maybe you're very shy, maybe it's a, a skill that you've never seen modeled or never been taught. Um, there's a lot of things that can create some resistance or real hesitation and fear around doing it, but I'm just going to be as blunt as I can be. You will not solve it through just strategies and tactics and tools. These kinds of things require human-to-human difficult, courageous conversations. Conversations with your boss, conversations with your peers, your direct reports, the people who are also under pressure with you at work. Difficult conversations will happen there. And then at home with your spouse or your partner and and your kids and family members or neighbors or people who are counting on you in other areas at church or in the community and people that you normally spend time with. Like You're going to be having difficult conversations. And the more you're just willing to accept that, the faster you can experience a sense of release from the stress and freedom to move forward in life. And my coach tells me, Mike, I think it's such a true, simple reality. Zach, between where you're at today and the next level of where you want to get to in your life is going to be 10, 10 minute, really uncomfortable conversations. And the sooner you can have them, the sooner you can get to that next place. And I just think it's a 
of course, you know, is it always 10? Is it always 10 minutes? That's not the point. It's just being willing to step in and have these kind of chats is such a powerful skill for your whole life. So that's number one. The second thing, so conversations is one. The second piece is what I call commandments. When I get into a place of life where things are disruptive and challenging and all the pressure is on, I'm overwhelmed because there's no way I can solve all of this at once. It's like the to-do list is a mile long and everything is competing for number one priority. When I'm in that place, the first thing I do is go all the way back to the foundation and remind myself, what are my commandments? So, okay, what does that mean? What are they? Well, in each area of your life, there's some non-negotiables that you may not have been explicit about up till this point, but when they're violated, you feel it in a big way. And it causes a lot of the emotional pain and frustration and anger or disappointment or depression that you're feeling. And part of the work we do with our clients, Mike, is to clarify what those are. Most people don't actually know until they're broken. But I'll give you an example of one of mine. For me, a commandment around my health is that I commit time every single week to fitness, exercise, stretching, calisthenics. Like I take care of my body. And there's a certain level of energy that goes into that every single week. And if I don't do it, I feel unhappy. I feel grouchy. I feel sluggish. I, I, I don't feel good. All right. So my commandment is that that's happening. Now, explicitly for Zach White, it's 15 minutes a day minimum. Like, must happen. I want it to be more, but I don't care how much pressure is on me to deliver at work or whatever's going on. I'm going to take 15 minutes to take care of my body every single day, period. That's a commandment for me. So you can extrapolate that example now and ask, well, what are my commandments around my relationship with my spouse and kids? What are my commandments around my health? What are my commandments around my faith? What are my commandments around my work? Let's go back to that baseline. And one little sidebar on this, if maybe you've never done this and you want to go do the exercise to start coming up with yours, your commandments should not fill up 90% of your calendar. Okay. Like that's not setting yourself up for success because it leaves you no room for things to ebb and flow and and be, be flexible in life. And the truth is, you know, things that are very rigid break under stress. Okay. You want to have flexibility in your life. You want to be like a tree able to bend. You have tons of strength, but you're still flexible. And so commandments are something that you ought to be able to fit into your average week, no matter what's going on. Like it, it's something that's a smaller percentage of your total time and energy. So that's just something to keep in mind. If your commandments are huge, and the, then it doesn't work. So I get those right. I have tough conversations and I stick to my commandments. And then the last thing I didn't, I said two, but I'll give you a bonus. Draw smaller circles. Don't try to solve the whole problem at once. We draw a circle around our entire universe of everything that matters to us. We say, it all needs to be fixed right now. That's the overwhelm talking. That's the dreamer, you know, this like, I just want to avoid pain part of you talking. And I get that. But you need to draw smaller circles. So don't worry about next year. Okay, don't even worry about next quarter. You might not even be in a place where you can afford to worry about tomorrow. It's like the Bible says, you know, tomorrow has enough worry of its own or today has enough worry of its own. Forget about tomorrow. 
Let's just focus on what's right in front of you. And I think that's a really powerful concept to bring in. So conversations, commandments, and smaller circles. If you take those three things into these times of challenge and stress, then you're going to be able to break through and build momentum quicker than a lot of people do. Mm, Super powerful. So what you're telling me is I can't eat the elephant all at one. I mean... Well, Mike, you can because I know I know that you have a special skill that none of our amazing listeners out there have. <laughs> I'm just I'm yeah, kidding. I've got I'm the kidding. I've got the uh, the doctorate in elephant eating. <laughs> this is elephant eating uh, doctorate. Nope, uh, you're right. One bite at a time, Mike. Yeah, One bite. Absolutely. At a time. Well, this will this will be our last question, and I want to take us from where you know you were at the layoffs to where you are today. What's one thing that you would tell Mike as he's sitting in the cubicle, you know, kind of going through, hey, these are the gaps in my life. These are the struggles and the pain points. What's one thing that you would say, hey, this is something that I did that brought about amazing transformation for me personally. And then I saw the dividends in in multiple areas of my life. What would that one thing be? Mike, I became aware that 95% of who I am, my subconscious mind, is pulling hard for one thing, and that's to keep me safe, alive, and comfortable. And the truth is that everything I wanted in life demands getting out of my comfort zone. And I came to that realization through hiring a coach. And I don't want this to come across as, you know, like this is a pitch for coaching. I do believe in that wholeheartedly. It was the catalyst for me of transformation in my life. But independent of that person, the actual shift was I woke up and realized if I'm not intentional to take new actions, courageous actions, to get out of my comfort zone, to take risks and to be willing to take that Zacademic Awards night image of myself and put that on the altar and say, I don't care if I fail. I don't care if these things happen because I will learn. I will grow. It's going to work out in the end. I trust the process of life. Like I can always keep moving forward. And in fact, the engineer in me now, it's like, duh, how did I not see this? You learn more from failure than success. So just being willing to go there and that shift from being constantly afraid and fixed to saying, I'm willing to fail and I want growth, and I'm going to live with courage. That was the catalyst to me to explosive growth in every area of my life and has brought me to where I am today. So, you know, if you need to hire a coach to get there, do it. If you can get there on your own, great. I'll tell you, it's a lot easier with help. But that's what changed, and that's what I would give everybody listening is get out of your comfort zone. Crush comfort, create courage, because that will change your life forever make a question part b <laughs> so i'll allow it <laughs> i appreciate it who you see out of those that are you know being let go during the layoffs or those that are staying around who's usually the ones asking for the coaching coming to you going hey i'm a i'm an engineer i need this kind of help zach who's usually more of the one that's at that point being able to ask for the coaching there's there's two sides 
of the bell curve of readiness where people are, <laughs> I shouldn't call it the bell curve of readiness, what I call it, the bell curve of experience in your career or life that calls people to pick up the phone and get help from a coach. One of the groups is at the top end. They're the high performers. Things are working for them. And they recognize that the best players have the best coaches and they want an edge. They want to continue to build momentum. They want to continue to have success. And they look around at an environment like this where there's new pressures, new challenges, people getting laid off. And you know they were not in the layoffs, but they see this as an opportunity. They're seeing this as a challenge to go thrive and they could move even faster. And those people call us and they don't hesitate. They hire immediately because they want to go to that next level. And so that's one group. The other group are the people at the bottom end who feel completely stuck, frustrated, lost, confused, and they've already tried everything that they know how to try, and they've gotten to the end of their own rope. And unfortunately for most people in IT and engineering and technology, like we just, that takes a long time to get there because we have this lone wolf ego kind of thing. And until I've tapped out every angle that I know to try, I'm not going to humble myself and go ask for help. But once you get there, you know, those are the other people who call us and say, hey, I need help. The real sad part, Mike, is that there's this huge chunk in the middle of people who could benefit extremely from working with a coach, but they don't have that peak performer mindset. And they haven't yet done everything that they know how to do. They still feel like, I got this. You know, I could read another book. I can listen to another podcast. I can talk to my mentor at the office and get some advice, or I can talk to Billy down the street at the barbecue and get some free advice from him. Well, you're going to get what you paid for with Billy, just warning you. But, you know, the, the thing I encourage people to do is say, look, don't wait until you hit rock bottom and don't believe that this is only for people at the top. Because in my perspective now, I will never not have a coach. It doesn't matter what's going on in my journey because I recognize that it's a massive catalyst to growth in any area, whether it's relationships, health, career, like this is a tool that I want to always have in my my tool belt. So that's the, the way I see it. And part of what we're seeking to do at Oasis of Courage is help people come to that realization sooner so that they never actually get into the place where they need a coach <laughs> in order to get through. They can actually just use it at a time that helps you uh, before it becomes dire. Absolutely. Well, Zach, let's finish it off here. How can guys, you know, I know it's just in the engineering area specifically that you're doing the coaching, but how can they get in touch with you outside of this podcast and go, hey, I, I don't want to be at the bottom spectrum, you know, much like you talked about, I'm going to kind of align things, you know, formulate them so I'm winning. How can guys get in touch with you outside of the podcast? I'll tell you what, Mike, if anyone is listening to this conversation and you immediately know you want to take action, get out of your comfort zone and do this kind of work with Zach White and our team at Oasis of Courage, for for just giving us your time and listening this far into the podcast, I would be honored to give a free coaching session to you and just grab your phone right now and text the word lifestyle to the number 55444. So it's one word, lifestyle, to that short code, 55444. And if you'll text that word right now, we'll give you a link, grab time with my team. They're going to ask you a few questions, make sure we know really where you're at, where you're struggling. And then they're going to book you 
at least as of this recording, I still take 100% of those calls on my calendar. And it's not just a trivial thing. I mean, we're going to do 75 minutes of a deep dive session together, and I'm going to help you as much as I can. And that's totally free. So if you want to do that, text the word now. Don't hesitate. Okay, take action. But if you're not ready for that and you just want to get more, you want to explore this work, wherever you listen to this amazing podcast, just jump over to the Happy Engineer podcast. That's where I hang out. We've got a lot of content there that you can get to know me better and get some tips and advice. And then all of the other ways to connect with me can be found in the show notes of any episode. So the Happy Engineer podcast, we're everywhere. So uh, when you're done listening to the amazing Mike Forrester, then jump over and you can find me at the Happy Engineer. I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you for sharing your journey, like encouraging us to have those courageous conversations, right? And 10 minutes isn't a whole lot. I mean, but doesn't it take long. It just takes courage. <laughs> yeah, right. So Zach, thank you so much, my friend. I really appreciate your time and, and insight and encouragement today. Mike, thank you for the invitation. And I just want to acknowledge you and the work you do. And I know everyone who listens is already well aware of it, but it's absolutely incredible value, changing lives all around the world with your podcast and your work. So thanks for having me on. Greatly appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode and remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.